This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to veterans' issues in New York. And our guest is Derek Coy, a Marine who served in Iraq and now works as a senior programs officer focusing on veterans' health for the New York Health Foundation, a foundation dedicated to improving the health of New Yorkers. Welcome back to the show, Derek. Thanks for having me back. So since we last talked, you got roped into a working group assessing the veterans treatment courts in New York. For starters, can you remind listeners about how these courts function and their role in New York? And tell us about what you're doing as part of this federal grant. So veterans treatment courts are actually an invention of uh, a court here in New York in Buffalo. Judge Robert Russell noticed there were quite a few veterans that were in a drug court that he was presiding over and had a coordinator that actually had served in Vietnam and realized there was a great way to connect with these veterans and offer treatment in lieu of incarceration. So he piloted a court in 2008. And they really spread throughout the state as recently as 2021. There was a law passed that through a transfer allowed for basically universal access to these courts statewide. So there's a great bit of momentum that's been growing to expand them. And and to add a little icing on the cake, the Department of Justice awarded a grant to the state's Office of Court Administration, basically to assess what New York has done and see how we can strengthen and sustain these courts moving forward, which is actually really exciting to be a part of. Well, as someone who lives and breathes this issue, I have to imagine you enter this process with some ideas about, one, the demand for these courts, and two, how they might be able to function better or reach more people. So what are your initial thoughts on those two fronts in terms of the demand and improving accessibility? It's an interesting time for the bill to be passed, considering, you know, it was less than a year after the initial outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. So the court systems in general were really trying to address and figure how they can adapt to the evolving needs of the pandemic. And at the same time, I think, you know, there was an attempt to get these veterans treatment courts transfer policy out. So so as of now, really what's needed is, I think, some some better understanding of what the law does for transfers and, and what the potential is for veterans that might be in a county that don't have a VTC, but uh, an adjacent county does. So how can we get them access to one without necessarily standing up a veterans treatment court in every county if that's not needed? But what seems pretty clear, and especially talking to other folks that have been working on this topic, the amount of data we have is really what's going to allow us to know who's being effectively treated where, what treatments are working, where peer mentors, which are considered the secret sauce that make VTCs work, which are really functioning on a higher level, and how can we replicate what's working and share it elsewhere. So I think the more data we have, which again is just something we're going to have to continue to work on as we're getting our footing back since the pandemic started. So the more data we have to understand what's working, what's not working, and replicating what what is and, and addressing gaps is really going to help us guide this work moving forward. But there's been a lot of momentum and a lot of great folks have been focused on this. So I think the wind's really at our back and, and there's a lot of opportunities to make these courts even better than they already are. And in cases where New Yorkers are eligible for these courts, they do exist in in counties where people are appearing before a a judge. Does there need to be more awareness of this as an opportunity, both for the defendant themselves as well as prosecutors? And if so, how do we go about increasing that awareness, for example, that a defendant is a veteran or that these programs even exist? 
Yeah, it's a good question. And, and really what needs to be done is, is, is basically a full court press, if you will. So it's really important for judges to understand what they can do, what they have the flexibility to do. And that's really what Judge Russell did. He, he created this court almost on his own, if you will. And so judges have that that freedom and flexibility. So they need to know what's in the realm of possibility for them. But also, as you mentioned, there's so many folks involved with this from VA providing treatment to prosecutors and different district attorneys, uh, certainly defense attorneys. So they they really need to understand, you know, what's in the realm of possibility for them, what options they could provide to veterans. And then lastly, it's really important for us to advocate for ourselves. So the more vets know about what's available to them, there's oftentimes that a veteran will be involved with the justice system. And usually the law enforcement officer, you know, they're not going to screen for veteran status. They could be in a jail and no one's asking if they're a veteran. And so if the veteran doesn't, you know, self-identify or there's not some kind of screening option that that's put in place, uh, veterans themselves won't even know that this is an option. So the more folks that have a touch point with these courts that understand what's available to them and how to access them, that's going to be, you know, uh, for, for the better. And, and I think the different folks that we talk to that are serving veterans that also understand that this is a resource and now what this transfer policy means, the more vets will actually have access to it. And I think we'll have more information on again on what's working, what's not. So really, the more folks that know about this resource, the better. Well, sticking with resources for veterans in New York, uh, by a unanimous vote this spring, state lawmakers approved uh, legislation that's supposed to establish a, a training program for the diagnosis and treatment uh, of post-traumatic stress uh, disorder. What, if anything, are your expectations for something like this? What that bill does, you know, it really builds on some work that some folks have done in the state, New York Health foundation included, they really looked at what private providers' uh, readiness is to serve the veteran population. And the reason being, uh, most folks think that, you know, all vets go to VA, you know, exclusively, but it's actually the opposite. Most veterans use private providers when they access care. And research coming from the RAND Corporation showed that, you know, only about 13% of providers have indicated they participated in any formal training regarding military or veteran cultural competency. And only about 2% of the private providers in New York State met the criteria for effectively serving the state's veteran population. So one, we know that the overwhelming majority of vets are using private sector care. And we also know that most private providers aren't really aware of all the intricate and nuanced health issues that veterans face. So I think it's really a step in the right direction. And if more providers have this training, I think they'll have a better understanding of one, what the unique needs, uh, health needs of veterans are, but then two, what to do about it. So it's important to know uh, about, you know, toxic exposure, for instance, but, but really the next step is what do we do about it? So it'll be really interesting to see what comes of this legislation. Legislation, and uh, I, I will say it looks like it's a step in the right direction for sure. Well, sticking with policies out of Albany, thinking back to 2022 and, and Governor Hochul's first effort to pass a budget as governor, everybody seemed to be singing kumbaya when it came to funding for veterans issues and programs that support veterans. But that was not necessarily the case in 2023, as we saw a return to some of the past political gamesmanship as it pertains to veterans issues in the budget and this idea that uh, the legislature would have to spend some of its political capital to actually ensure funding for certain programs that benefit veterans like uh, a popular peer-to-peer mentoring program. Uh, As we talk now about four months after the adoption of a state budget. How did things shake up on issues like 
uh, funding for peer-to-peer services and the expansion uh, and increased accessibility of some sort of mentoring program? Historically speaking, uh, with peer mentor program funding in particular here in the state, it was always a political football going back and forth. Folks really weren't sure if there's any long term uh, guarantee that the funding would remain or where it would go. So that was always an issue. But in the last few years, we actually have seen increase and sustained funding for the Joseph P. Dwyer peer program in particular. Um, But also, I think as a result of that, since there's been more funding and it has been more universal, if you will, uh, almost every county in the state has access to this funding. What that's done is it's kind of created a coalition where, where folks in, in neighboring and adjacent counties, now they realize that they're getting similar funding. So there's been a sharing of ideas and, and a lot more of a unified effort to, to understand how best to use the funding, how to share resources and, and really uh, identify gaps as well. So I think as, as we see this kind of coalition, if you will, grow and and really start to share these ideas, I think it's going to create an opportunity for hopefully some of the historical issues with funding to to not be, you know, as recurring as they were. And I, I think with the sharing of the idea that the ideas that are working, that's super important. But I think also for legislators to to have a network to to tap into to say, hey, what can we do? What, what options do we have to better serve veterans in our county or our region? And I think that's a really positive development. And I think that's only going to grow. So that's really exciting to watch as well. Thinking again about policy direction out of Albany, what's your take now that we've got a little more time to reflect on of the elevation of the state's Department of Veterans Services and the leadership of uh, Viviana DeCohen, a.k.a. Mama V? What sort of grade would you give her and the department since they've really moved into the spotlight? Yeah, that's a good question. I think one, uh, you know, all praise to Mama V. It's so great to have her at the helm. Uh, And, you know, we've discussed this in the past. Uh, Unfortunately, there's oftentimes was uh, no one at the helm of of state DVS for for years. So one, not only is it great to see someone there and and consistently be there, but someone that's as charismatic and I think is driven and focused as Mama V. Uh, But also, I think the other thing to take into consideration is that a lot of what DVS um, is able to do, you know, out in the community and connect with veterans is help. Uh, them access federal benefits, uh, VA uh, disability compensation and health care in particular. And and I'd say what I would give them a you know an excellent grade on would be is really adapting to a lot of things that have changed outside of their control. So for instance, even though their bread and butter is connecting veterans to federal resources, there wasn't necessarily a federal investment in expanding what they do in conjunction with the recent passage of the PACT Act. And for folks that aren't super aware of that, it's it's arguably one of the largest healthcare expansions in VA history and expands VA healthcare and benefits to vets that were exposed to burn pits, Agent Orange, and other toxic substances. So there have been over a million new claims uh, nationwide, about 24,000 of which have happened in New York State. And there's been no increased resources or no opportunity for the state in particular to have better ways of providing access to these claims and filing them, but also just answering the questions that vets have, you know, does this qualify? Do I qualify? What do I need to show proof? And and that's a larger issue that we're seeing. So considering, you know, DVS is handling an elevation, they're, you know, becoming a full department, all while there's been this huge increase in demand for the services they provide by the federal government without an increased investment in the resources they have. Uh, it's really impressive to see what they've been able to do. So I uh, would definitely you know, give them a high mark for sure. 
Well, finally, you and I have spoken in the past about the issue of veterans' homelessness and the need to do more to connect veterans with services. So I'm curious what your reaction is to the state and local response in New York City to the influx of asylum seekers and the manpower and resources that are being invested in the effort to find suitable housing for this population. You know, I think uh, just personally, I feel like uh, we're very capable of doing both. I don't think there's there's really a, a case of us denying services to a certain group of folks so that we can reallocate those services elsewhere. I think that we, we you know, we're positioned to be able to provide services to whomever needs them. And, and I think if you just look back historically, for sure, uh, New York City, but New York State in, in particular, um, you know, there's been a long history of issues with you know housing uh, across the board and and we've seen some recent federal investments um, the reduction of veteran homelessness uh, across the board and the state as well so I, I think it's a really a matter of trying to find out what we can do collectively together because these are not necessarily you know veteran specific issues or any specific uh, groups issues uh, housing in general is just a, a large issue and I don't think that we necessarily need to uh, you know pit one group against uh, the other and, and think that we can can effectively serve uh, everyone. Well, we've been speaking with Derek Coy. He is a senior programs officer focusing on veterans health for the New York Health Foundation. Derek, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.